This is the Run Pod Option. I'm Marty. I'm Kyle. I'm Jeff. At Run Pod Option on Twitter, runpodoption at gmail.com. Email us. What do we want you to email us? Really anything. Hot takes, ideas, jokes, news articles. Really doesn't matter. We would really appreciate any input. Don't want your power bills. <laughs> yeah, d- yeah. Don't send like any utilities, uh, <laughs> any any critical bill payments because we can't help you there, unfortunately. Nope. And unfortunately, a strong effort by Brock Purdy couldn't help Iowa State push over the uh, the proverbial hill against Oklahoma. That was a fun game. What offense? <laughs> I liked it. So I was texting you two when I was watching the abbreviated version, like a 12-minute, basically every play, but just cut to cut to cut to cut. And I gave up on the game, honestly, when I looked at Like when I checked it and there was like eight minutes left, I think Iowa State was down three touchdowns or like 17 points, and they, they missed a fourth down conversion. I was like, okay, well, Oklahoma's going to survive this one. And then I get the alert. Oklahoma wins 42-41 after stopping Iowa State on a two-point conversion. (laughs) Kyle, are you a big fan of CeeDee Lamb? I love him. I love him. And that catch that he had where he decided to switch the fields and go down. Just, man, he's so good. He's really good. CeeDee Lamb, for me, is... Really, he's no different than, like, Jerry Judy. There's probably a couple other receivers like him, but he just makes it look so effortless. He does so much, what like, in, in the open field. It's understandable why they constantly throw to him short. Yeah. And just let him do his thing. It's kind of interesting, because ESPN keeps um, touting him as the next Megatron, but that, I didn't feel like that was an apt comparison. What do you... Who else would you guys compare him to, even in like the pros? It's not—he's not Megatron. I mean, he's big, but he's not that big. Kyle, I'm gonna let you go for a second because I've got to switch chairs out. So please ignore the noise in the background. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, his ability to run after the play reminds me a little bit of D.D. Westbrook because D.D. Westbrook is is insane when he gets the ball um, and starts moving like after the catch. Uh, but he's obviously bigger than him. Um, man, I, I don't even know. Like Julio Jones seems right that's, for me. That's, that feels right, yeah. Maybe Mike Evans, but not, he's not that big. He's not that big and imposing. I'm just trying to think of who has his – is it agility, I'm, the word I'm looking for? Like he's just so – he's good size and he's shifty. He's slippery. You could use yeah. that word probably to describe him too. Yeah. You know, kind of in in the breaking tackles and and fighting through, and I saw him switch the field so many times. Des Bryant, a little yeah. bit. Yeah. Is he Justin Blackman? <laughs> like what I, I Justin Blackman should have been? <laughs> the, the the Justin Blackman on paper. Yeah. I mean, that's that actually is a really good comparison, minus the issue. I really hope he fares better than Blackman did, and. I think that if there's a person on that team that deserves a Heisman, I think it's CeeDee Lamb. That might be a good call. He, he makes so much out of so little once he gets the ball. 
It's great. And that offense is weird because I feel like I feel like they're really good at playing to a receiver's strengths. So CD Lamb has caught it deep. He plays it short. He gets a lot of yards after catch. And I don't remember them doing the same thing for Hollywood Brown, or not nearly to that extent, because he had the top level speed. Mm-hmm. I think it might just speak also to just Lincoln Riley being able to get dudes open. And in CeeDee Lamb's case, he just gets him the ball and Lamb gets himself open. Well, it also might be the case that, you know, Jalen Hurts, as good as he is, he's not Baker Mayfield. He's not Kyler Murray. So it's also playing to the quarterback strengths at that point. You know, crazy thing is Lamb only has 44 receptions this year. That's really not. He's averaging 22 yards a pop, though, which puts him almost over a thousand yards. But, <laughs> but I mean, the leading receiver has 88 catches, and that's James Proche. Proche? Proche? Like Proche. So think about if he had 88 receptions. Yeah, I'd like to see what Lamb, what his air yards look like. Like, is he is he averaging four yards or five yard receptions, and then he's averaging 15 yards after the carry? Yeah, it's wild. That game was a whole lot of fun, even the abbreviated version. I'll agree with that. I did think it was interesting that Oklahoma got to show off Kennedy Brooks a little bit. Uh, He and Jalen seemed to really play off each other well, and I don't know why it didn't feel like Kennedy Brooks was on the field against Kansas State when Oklahoma lost. And we're going to play a game later on. It's not even really a game. We're going to give each our, our own top eight playoff rankings, right? Our personalized rankings. Spoiler alert, do either of you guys have Oklahoma in your top eight? My top eight? Yeah. Yes. Let's move on to the biggest upset of the week. If you can't tell, by the way, (laughs) I'm sitting down for the first time in a few weeks. And (laughs) this is to mourn our uh, guest host last week. Corwin Heller, who <laughs> all but guaranteed Penn State a victory and a blowout victory, a blowout victory, and uh, there was definitely no doubt in his mind that James Franklin is comfortable because he's on the way to the playoffs at Penn State. I mean, that just shows he can't trust anybody that goes to Penn State. That honestly, it's at this point, I feel like that is that's our show's canon: is that Penn State students are the least trustworthy people in the world. Exactly. And only seconded by Notre Dame alumni who are all cops. <laughs> and they also fought, they also harbor Brian Kelly. <laughs> yeah, Jeff, what was your favorite interception that Sean Clifford threw? He threw some really bad ones. I think the one he threw in a triple coverage trying to get KJ Hamler. Like, <laughs> yeah. throwing in a triple coverage to a dude that's 5'9". Like, Against a pretty tall Minnesota defensive back. Yeah. Like, <laughs> Yeah, that was that was bad. Yeah, I think my favorite was as Penn State, they really not owned, but they they dominated that second half compared to the first half. And they forced a fumble into the game. They're down 31-26 and they have a chance to basically walk off, right? Win the game. And Clifford goes ahead and lines up and throws his third interception and that's about how the day went for Penn State, it felt like. Minnesota really, really capitalized off their mistakes in the first half. And I, I can't – I don't think I can say enough about um, Tanner Morgan. I was kind of, you know, the 
quarterback from Minnesota. I was kind of not sure how good he was. He's like fourth in the country in passing efficiency, almost at like a 70% clip. And like he just threw some beautiful throws. I mean, it helps when you have Bateman and Johnson. They're two monster receivers, but I was really impressed. And I had kind of read a little bit about um, Fleck not really being involved in game planning. He's more of just like a motivate motivator, but I was really impressed with their offense. Like um, they're pretty dynamic and I mean, they run the ball well, they throw well. It's, it's pretty impressive what they've built so far in Minnesota. I agree. There was a lot of RPO talk and I think it was. Why were they talking about us? I know. I don't understand. We're we're worldwide. (laughs) I think it was Ian Boyd. Or at Smart Football. I can't really remember, but he mentioned just how effective almost every play that they were running was some form of the run pass. I almost said pod. The run pass (laughs) option. And I asked him, because he is incredibly smart, is there anything difficult that they're doing? Or is it just simple? Like Rich Rod simple, where it's, we're going to be on, we're going to be sharp as attack and it's on you to stop us. And he said, like, there was definitely, definitely dynamic parts into it. And you could tell, and I think that goes to what you were saying about Bateman and Johnson, who are both really, really good receivers. But you, in no way, as Penn State, should ever be leaving them uncovered. And they were left uncovered very frequently, which I can only assume means the play design was doing it for them. Penn State's defense, I want to say, has been top 10, maybe even top 5. So to start, they did look a little shell-shocked, I think. And they definitely buckled down in the second half. I don't know if it was a schematic change or what, but you're right. I mean, it was these dudes would be open like 15 or 20 yards downfield and then get an extra, you know, 15 or 20 after that. It was just, it was wild to watch in the first half. I think it should be mentioned. I believe Tanner Morgan was a recruit that signed with Western Michigan with PJ Fleck and PJ Fleck brought him to Minnesota. Do you think that we've gotten to the point now where we've all but guaranteed that Minnesota is going to be looking for a new head coach next year? They just re-signed Fleck, didn't they, this week? Yeah, if it wasn't for them re-signing him, I would say almost definitely someone's going to pay a lot. And it's not like they can't still. I'm, you can still pony up the buyout. I think it's a total a total possibility that that happens. You know, I think if Minnesota makes the Big Ten Championship, and if they can keep it within a few touchdowns of Ohio State, I can't imagine him even considering it because of what he's got going. If he gets beat 52 to 0 like every other Ohio State opponent, maybe maybe seeing you're the top of the mountain, if you're flying that close to the sun, could convince <laughs> him that maybe maybe Minnesota just they're not going to be capable of doing that. But I think that they are like in the long term. If, if your assistant coaches are good and if you've got, obviously, a program that's bought into his whole row-the-boat stick, I don't think you're national title contenders, but there's no reason why you can't get up and surprise an Ohio State. Maryland almost beat Ohio State last year. They didn't almost beat him this year. No, no, that Maryland. was... Uh, it couldn't be it's more dreadful. opposite. It couldn't <laughs> be more opposite. So just to note, I looked up 
PJ Flex, I guess they released some of his contract details. He has a $10 million buyout through December of next year, and then it drops all the way down to $4.5 million. So that, to me, sounds like they're expecting him to be wow. Um, and then it's $3 million, $2 million, and then zero the year after. So. so if you're school looking for a coach and you want to buy in bowl season as soon as possible, Beer. You, can get it, you can do a buyout for $10 million, or you can try and wait, hope he's still there at the turn of the year, and pay a $4 million buyout. Yeah, that's smart. I mean, another well, you know, two years, another year there's and a half. About, there's about 3 million people in Arkansas, and if they all just pitch in like 3 bucks, <laughs> they could handle the buyout. Hey, Brett Bielema left Wisconsin for Arkansas. You joke about it, but... It's a similar, I mean, that's a similar move. I don't think he would make it, but. Row pig suey. (laughs) Row the pig. (laughs) Row the pig. All I can think of now is some dude on the back of some pig with with an oar. So just. (laughs) (laughs) Just Before we get off this game. Do you guys think Penn State is capable of keeping it within two touchdowns against Ohio State? Penn State against Ohio State. Ugh, I don't know. I honestly don't know. Uh, I don't know what they've shown that says that they can. I'll, I'll be interested to see how they bounce back before Ohio State because I think they have one more game before they don't they? They have because yeah, Ohio State plays Rutgers this week. Yeah, Ooh, they have Indiana. Yeah, yeah, Ohio State's been warming up. Yeah, well, yeah, you're right. That's you mentioned nine nine Indiana, Marty. Indiana is is going to be a tough game. I mean, they don't have Penix, but that's going to be tough. Yeah, Pe- yeah, Penix is out for the rest of the year. Which <laughs> did is you almost say Penix? <laughs> I did. <laughs> it comes with the territory. That's a tough name, man. That's that's got to be tough growing up with too. Yeah. It should be fun seeing the late game James Franklin in Tallahassee next year, though. <laughs> We're going to go ahead and stay south. And the game of the century, LSU goes to Alabama and beats them 46-41. How much fun was that game at the end? <laughs> you know what? I'm going to tell you something before we even dive into it. I thought... Hey, it's a it's a night game, right? Certainly, it's going to be game day. This game is probably at night, so I was planning my day in. Cool, I'll catch the SMU game, right? That kicks off at twelve Eastern, and then I'll have a nice break in there, spend some time with my family, and then I can get back into it at six thirty seven. You know, as things are ramping up at night. That's where you're wrong, kiddo. Dude, thank God I looked at the LSU football schedules because I realized that I was like, oh, in fact, uh, the kid just went down for a nap 20 minutes ago and we're going to have Alabama and LSU football now, which was just awesome. So, yes, that game was so incredibly fun. Like, I thought the LSU was going to run away with it for a bit. And then Alabama did their thing, brought it back, was 33-27 at one point, and then all of a sudden it was just... Back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. Didn't matter. We're just going to score. It was incredibly fast-paced for what was kind of a quiet third quarter, the way it ended. I think they had five touchdowns in the fourth quarter. And the meltdown internally of Alabama slowly storming back, Najee Harris running the ball and running the ball 
and getting yardage against LSU, who didn't look gassed, but they had been out there for a little while with how fast the offense was striking in the first half, I thought Alabama was definitely going to come back and win this fucking game. And I couldn't tell you how upset I was about it. I had already basically made it up in my head. (laughs) It was 46-34, and I was getting ready to leave the house, and they walk out, and Tua throws an 85-yard bomb to Devonta Smith. Do you guys remember that? <laughs> like, yes. <laughs> like a yeah, minute and a half so. left. And I was just like, oh, I can't leave now. <laughs> but, I mean, I'm, it was, I'm curious it was when great. the last time Alabama had to do an onside kick. I'd like to <laughs> look imagine. I'd like to look at the tape and see the last time they <laughs> needed an onside kick. They may have done it against like Norfolk State just practicing. Practice, yeah. <laughs> yeah, practicing against Florida A and yeah. as they're as they've got their third stringers and they've got <laughs> Like Nick Saban's third nephew. <laughs> Nick Saban's actually in as a defensive end. He's like, I'm the pass rusher. He's coming around the end. So I think the thing that was telling to me, and this kind of mimics the the Penn State-Minnesota game. So Minnesota went out there and they beat Penn State. LSU went out there and they beat Alabama. But in the first half of both games, Alabama made a lot of dumb mistakes that that if that happens in any other game, usually they're cutting to Nick Saban and he's halfway through eating whatever player did the penalty. <laughs> I didn't see him spike any headsets this game, but the camera wasn't on him a lot, so... No, which is surprising to me because, honestly, that's that was the bit. Like, it was an offside call, and the first thing the cameras do, <laughs> shoot it over to Nick Saban to see him... Lose his absolute mind. <laughs> yeah, who's, yeah, who's, yeah, he's he's severing an assistant coach's <laughs> fingers every time one of their squads, <laughs> ma- one of their position groups makes a mistake. You look at the entire coaching staff; they have weird bandages on. They're just wrapped in gauze. Dev- Devonte Smith and Jerry Judy both had. Devonte Smith had an exceptional game, but I think it was Jerry Judy. Do you guys remember the? The fake check to the sidelines touchdown. Were y'all able to catch that at all? I didn't see that. Okay, so looking at the looking at the TV, Alabama's going left to right, and on the far side of the field, I believe it was Judy, and he was in single coverage, and they all line up, they get up, they rush up to the line of scrimmage, they get there, and then they go and they check with the coach, right, to see what the play call is. They all did it, Alabama that is. And LSU looked over to their sideline to see what any coverage call or anything that they needed to change. And Alabama planned it. So as soon as LSU and the man covering, I think it was Judy, as soon as he looked over to the sidelines, they snapped the ball and he just ran straight past him. And for me, that is such a brilliant play, but it is so weird seeing a Nick Saban team do that. Does that not feel like... If Memphis is up against a big power five team, something that Memphis would try, you know, it didn't seem like an Alabama type thing. Yeah, that, that seems so far removed from what they, they normally do. <laughs> like, I love to see it. How impressed were you guys with Clyde Edwards Hilaire? Because he, for as good as Joe Burrow was, he was excellent down the stretch. I think you're going to realize how impressed I was with Clyde Edwards Hilaire. Very new segment uh, coming, uh, possibly with okay. No, I mean, yeah. I'm telling you, there is a new segment coming. That's yeah. for the audience. Uh, oh, we're gonna okay. do kind of our players of the week here in a little bit. Try to do a new, a new bit, new shtick. 
Edwards, he didn't have like a crazy game statistically. I think he had just over 100 yards. But um, my wife remarked to me, you know, I think in the third quarter, she was like, every time he gets the ball, it's like a two-yard play that he turns into like a nine-yard play. Like he would run through multiple arm tackles. He could juke guys. Just a really gritty player. He had 103 rushing, but he also had 77 receiving. So he had a pretty, he had a pretty big, uh, yeah, pretty big game, and four yeah. touchdowns. It makes yeah. sense though. If if it's the young linebackers that are going to be set on guarding him, good luck. And, and and the entire front seven for Alabama showed a how young they are, and they showed a little bit of how good they're going to be in a couple years, which we're going to be talking about and saying how frustrating it is. It seems like Alabama every year has this incredible defense. Well, not today. And before I get off this game, I had two stats and I had a question for you guys. LSU's 46 points, most points scored in Alabama since 1970, which is batshit. Also, Edo is now 8-1 and one against top 10 opponents over the last two years. Oh. And I'm going to push that right into, did we hear the leaked audio out of the conference room <laughs> by Edo? I did not. Please share. Jeff, you did, I presume, with the laugh. Yeah. One of the just greatest short segments I've it ever heard. It was like heard. a four-second video. It was like yeah. five, maybe. And 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 I wanna before I say this, I mentioned specifically, I don't know how Ed O is, right? We don't I I don't read a whole lot. I wasn't reading a whole lot on exactly how he is in the back, except that people generally seem to love him. And you see the videos of him playing Auburn and, and congratulating the Auburn players he just beat that he tried to recruit and telling them how great they are still. He's still recruiting them. Like he's just, I think, a genuinely good dude. And he, as Coach O does, speaking in a very crazy tone, is telling his team how this field now is their field, right? Alabama, this is their home now, LSU's. <laughs> and he said, should I try to do a Coach O voice? <laughs> I think I, I would love to hear it. God, I don't think you can. Please do. <coughs> I really don't think I can either. I, need, I might need to gargle like nails at the same time. <laughs> Shotgun a Red Bull quick. Yeah, he said, uh, <clears throat> uh, ro- Roll Tide, I say fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> and the whole team goes crazy. God, I'm going to cut that from the podcast. That's awful. No, keep it, keep it, keep it. That's actually the new intro. (laughs) I did want to say, I I can't remember which LSU player said it, but they were interviewing someone and they asked him, you know, about the game. And he said, after the game, they ran over to where Alabama's recruits were and told them to all come to LSU. That's Yeah, dude. Yeah, dude. I'm telling you, man, there is, there is serious buy-in with LSU right now. And, and I've heard the hyperbole of, this is the end of the Alabama dynasty. Like, it's not, right? It's definitely not. But this is absolutely, I think, the rise of the LSU dynasty. Which will be great, having another team in the, in the West to, uh, to compete with them. Especially that it's Coach O. Yeah. Kyle, did you know that Coach O was extremely interested in the Syracuse job when it opened up a few years ago? I don't know why he would have been, but sure, that's, oh, that's he, great. He, he, he was. He put out like a press state, like uh, talked to a reporter about it. And he's like, he'd be honored, honestly, to, to coach at Syracuse. I think Saban used to be a coach at Syracuse for like a year. Could you imagine that accent up in North Carolina? We're coached there at 95 to 97. That's why. There you go. All right, guys. So before we wrap up the review show, 
So we have two things. Do you, I guess let's, you know what, let's just do a little bit of producing on air. Do you want to oh, do the okay. playoff rankings in this show? No, you know what, let's do that for the picks show. Let's do the player of the game. I'm sorry, our players of the week, this show. And then I have just a few notes that I'm going to burn through. All right. Well, I'm going to start with mine because I've already basically, uh, you know, shown my cards. Clyde Edwards Hilaire. Damn, you know, if there's a game that you need to put your name out there on the national stage and just say, hey, I'm here. That was the game, and he did it. Four touchdowns, 180 all-purpose yards. He shoved it up Alabama's ass. <laughs> he really did. Do you think it takes away from Burrow's quote-unquote Heisman moment beating Alabama? I, I don't think so, because you ha- it's t- it takes two to tango. You know, you have to have somebody on the other end of it. And having somebody like that go out there and just be a dynamic player, just it, it just accentuates Bur- Burrow because Burrow's done it every week in and out, you know. And this was this was really the the Edwards Hilaire coming out party. Burrow's already been there, you know. He's been talked about. He's he's the real deal. But this was this is Edwards Hilaire's day. Jeff, who do you got? I'm gonna go off the beaten path a little bit, uh, but we're gonna keep it local. Our Charlotte 49ers had lost four games in a row at one point, but they have now won three in a row and are almost are one game away from bowl eligibility thanks to their quarterback, Chris Reynolds. He finished with 369 yards and three touchdown, two touchdowns, excuse me, and a comeback win over Tep, who's not very good, but uh, it's exciting to see a local team claw back from what they were where they were before, so Reynolds gets my uh, player of the week. Yeah, 354 yards passing, 91 yards rushing. He had a day. And and UTEP is not a great team. You're right. But oh. that is a that is a long trip. They flew Allegiant, which tells you what, something about... Oh, no. They flew, they flew at a Concorde? What yes. is Allegiant? <laughs> it's where you literally buy everything. So you buy your seat, you buy your drink, you buy... <laughs> It's a cash bar in the sky. <laughs> yeah. you, you, you fly out of Concord, and it's cheap as hell. Yeah. Well, let's make a trip. Let's make a trip to UTEP then. Yeah, I know. They, fly, they fly to Orlando too, so yeah. there's a thing. But it's only like on Thursdays. <laughs> Kyle, are you going? Are you? Is that how y'all are flying to Orlando? No, because we're not leaving on a Thursday. Okay, so so my my player of the week is an ECU player. Uh, they played SMU. They lost, but damn, ECU looked good for two weeks in a row. And that was in large part by wide receiver Tyler Sneed, who had 19 catches for 240 yards and three touchdowns. We know now that SMU's defense is not great, but Tyler Sneed was absolutely electric. And he reminded me of, I'm going to say Wes Walker because he's a white receiver, right? But I think it honestly felt more like Darren Sproles, the way he ran after he got the ball. It was a lot of fun watching him basically torch us, and it was also kind of frustrating to see him constantly torch us. Let's, give, let's not forget to give uh, East Carolina's quarterback a plug for the Millennial of the Week, Holton Allers. Holton Allers. Oh. <laughs> who, who third all-time high school passing in North Carolina? He's from Greenville, right? Yeah, he is only behind... 
Oh, son of a bitch. I forgot the second name on the list. <laughs> First was Chris Leak. That's the important one. Independence High School. Independence is on. So let's rip through some of these other news and notes from the week and we can get out of here. Yeah? Yeah. Yeah. Michigan State scored 31 points and they were beating Illinois 31 to 10 and then they lost 37 to 34 just when you thought Michigan State had it figured out. They get to play Michigan next week. Western Kentucky for the first time this season scored more than 30 points. It was against an SEC opponent, the Arkansas Razorbacks. Okay, I think got, I might have got, mentioned this note. I've got two well, okay. Yeah, okay, let me start with that. my note, and you go with your notes. Did you know who Western Kentucky's quarterback was? The grad, their, their uh, mascot. No, the quarterback is Ty Story, who was a an Arkansas quarterback. And Ooh. then when Chad Morris came in, got dismissed, and I don't think he actually got dismissed. I think he transferred because Chad Morris said, this ain't it, son. <laughs> and Ty Story had an absolute day. I think the first five drives to Western Kentucky were touchdowns. <laughs> okay, I've got two notes. First of all, Illinois, Michigan State. You've got to expect Illinois to win that game. We're getting into Lovey Smith's favorite time of the year with that beard. That's true. <laughs> Christmas is coming. And they're yes. going bowling. There you go. You're going to be drinking eggnog out there on the sideline. And then RIP Chad Morris. I want to mention, because a listener said, you know, I don't get what Corwin was saying, that y'all talk about Chad Morris so much. And I guess, I I think he's right, because I think we've maybe mentioned him twice, and we definitely mentioned him in the preseason show we did. To respect what Corwin's opinions were of us talking about Chad Morris, we're going to be doing an hour and a half breakdown of the entire Chad Morris era at Arkansas, (laughs) and we're going to be releasing that over a bed of Christmas music on Christmas Eve. Play by play, game by game. Yep, and I'm gonna actually, I'm gonna have uh, uh, the Yule log. I'm gonna make a video. It'll be the Yule log, Christmas jingles in the background, and us just breaking down every single game that Chad Morris coached at Arkansas. And actually, what's gonna be fueling the fire up with the Yule log is gonna be Chad Morris's contract. <laughs> it's just we're just gonna keep it. Every time we're gonna throw another twenty on it to keep it going, and just gonna keep going and keep going. <laughs> So here's my question for you guys. Where is Chad Morris, the offensive coordinator, next year? Syracuse University, just to complete my madness. He'll be he'll be an analyst for Ar- uh, for Arkansas, for Alabama. Willie Taggart. Are we talking about who's going to take Arkansas's job? I don't know. Where's Morris going to end up? Because I think he'll still be a attractive offensive coordinator for some school. Oh, Morris is abs- he's going to Alabama. Or LSU to be an analyst. I guarantee it. Because he's still got Texas ties. He signed a top 25 recruiting class. And they'll be paying his buyout, so he could do whatever. He could work for free. That's what I mean. That's what I think. It's it. Is it Butch that's doing it right now uh, in Alabama? He's drawing like $15 a month so that he can still get his buyout. TCU came up short against Baylor, losing in triple overtime. It was 9-9 to after regulation. Let's fast forward to five years ago when it was, I think, 61-58, the final score. Oh, have the mighty offenses fallen in the Big 12. I'd like to examine the statement you just said, which was, let's fast forward to five years ago. <laughs> that No, that drive. I'm an idiot. Ask anybody. Florida beat Vanderbilt 56-0. They scored 28 points in the third quarter despite only having the ball for 3 minutes and 15 seconds. 
Kyle, how much of this game did you watch? The Vanderbilt Florida game. Um, yes. I, I watched it in in between bites of a of a uh, burger at uh, at Bad Daddy's. Um, <laughs> so it for was like forty <laughs> seconds. <laughs> it's all I needed to see. It was bad. Vanderbilt is bad. Hi, Derek Mason. <laughs> it's uh, it was embarrassing. Yeah, I think <laughs> Vanderbilt opens up for sure. It probably. It's, maybe Chad Morris goes there. There you go. Appalachian State beats South Carolina. Speaking of bye, bye Will Muschamp. They, app, uh, they become the first Sunbelt team to beat two Power 5 teams in one season. And it is now Appalachian Carolina. I'll hail our new Appalachian overlords. You know what? We're all not from here. It's it's Appalachian or Appalachian? Appalachian. They say Appalachian. I say Appalachian. I say Appalachian too, and I know that they're probably right because they're from here. Yeah, but they're from the mountains and the woods, and I don't trust it. Yeah, that's just let's just disrespect a whole sect of people, Kyle. uh, (laughs) USC hold off an Arizona State comeback. Keaton Slovis in the first quarter was fifteen for seventeen, two hundred ninety-seven yards, and four touchdowns. Indiana, the aforementioned Indiana, truly won the bye week. Because after they didn't play a game this week, they got placed in the AP Top 25 for the first time since 1994. Yes. Lee Corso is having a fucking day. Antoine Randall L. era. They have at Penn State, home against Michigan, at Purdue, to try to become 9-win Indiana. Northwestern scored a touchdown and still lost. <laughs> nobody, nobody knew because they couldn't record it on their phones. Yep, yeah, they just They, uh, they finally got in the end zone. And they lost to again uh, a basically a freshman Purdue squad on offense. And here's here's your stat for the week. Going into the game, Northwestern led the country in punts, but was last in punt average. No. <laughs> <laughs> so you don't Talk have an offense, and you don't have special teams. <laughs> you got Pat Fitzgerald. And you got a really nice facility. <laughs> it, dude, it, wouldn't, it would take nothing for a good coach to come in there and turn them into a good program again. Oh. I think Pat's probably going to return for another year, though. And then I know you guys didn't see this. There's no, there's no fucking way you did. But there was a Peisman candidate. Are we all familiar with the Peisman Award? No. Okay. Jeff? Peisman is for fat guy touchdowns. Fat guy touchdowns. No so, boy. So a defensive tackle maybe picks up a fumble. And returns it 40 yards for a touchdown. Absolutely a Peisman candidate. There is an actual award that they do. There's a new candidate. An Illinois State offensive tackle scored on a two-point conversion. Right? Doesn't seem too crazy. It was a pitch out to him running wide. But the thing that was remarkable was that he had his ankles tackled about five yards out as he dove to try to get across the goal line. But because he is six foot ten, (laughs) he still ended up in the end zone and scored the two-point conversion. South Dakota State was upset by Illinois State, which is actually Illinois State, not Illinois. Illinois State beats number four South Dakota State in a huge upset for the FCS. I didn't realize that Corwin played for Illinois State. Yeah, that's why an offensive tackle at his size is wild. <laughs> and that's really that's really the only things I had left for this week. 
Gentlemen, do y'all have any notes, questions, regards? Questions? <laughs> I've got, I've got, I've got one note. Uh, Syracuse also won the bye week because uh, they didn't lose. That's a big step for them. It is. Uh, I'm surprised you guys didn't want to talk about Chase Young's suspension at all. Uh, you know what? Do you want to push it into the pick show? Yeah, we can. Okay, let's pick it to the pick show. Uh, guys, thank you all again for listening. Email us. I was mentioning a way we can use that runpod option at gmail.com. Send us your players of the week, and we'll read it on the show. That'd be pretty cool. Follow us at runpod option on Twitter once again. Gentlemen, say bye. Bye-bye. Wow. And you will have the pick show coming out soon. Hi, my name is Joshua Tracy. And I am Corwin Heller. And we are the hosts of a statistics and sports podcast called Juicing the Numbers. We cover the NFL, college football, MLB, and the NHL with anything that we like to talk about in between. If you like sports and the numbers behind it, come check out our show, Juicing the Numbers, on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you find podcasts. Hit us up on Twitter at JuicingPOD.